everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Be Here for a While. Uh, I have uh, I have a legend here today. <laughs> uh, he is a comedian. He's done uh, numerous uh, television shows and TV spots as a comic, uh, Tonight Show. And he's also an uh, the author of a new book coming out. Is it already out? It's out. Yeah, it's called Kicking Through the Ashes, uh, My Life as a Stand-Up in the 1980s Comedy Boob, which is something that fascinates the shit out of me. I am, like, obsessed with, like, learning about, you know, because it's not like that now. But anyways, welcome, Rich. Thank you, Rich. Thank His you. name is Rich Sh- uh, Scheidner. Thank you, Rich. I forgot to say your name before I got excited. That's okay. That's how excited I was that you were here. <laughs> Rich Scheidner. I got to say it right, too. I got a speech impediment, guys. Just go with it. Um, yeah, so happy you're here. Thank you so much Thank for you. doing this. Thank this you. is the first time Rich and I are meeting. Yes. Uh, this was set up because of his book, but I started reading his book on the plane home the other day from Charleston, and it was all like the entire five-hour plane ride. I was like, could not stop reading it. I could not put it down. Wow. It's amazing. Wow. You're an incredible writer. Oh, thank you. Really? Because I've read other stand-up comedy books before, and uh, like uh, we're dying up here, for example, and it was I was fascinated by the stories. But now that I've read uh, a book about this time from someone who was actually a comic, it wasn't just interviewing comics. It's a way different perspective because you're writing like a like a comic, you know. Right. It's funny, but like deep and. Yeah, I try yeah. to get in every aspect of what stand-up is to me, or what it, the art form is. Yeah, I try to cover everything. It's so great. How long did it take you to write that? Uh, uh, about two years. Really? Yeah. How two often would years. you write? All the time. All the, the time. I would first started, I started putting the stories up on Facebook, and people reacted, and then uh, I just kept going, kept going. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I did a lot of research, talked to a lot of people, because some of the memories I had pretty intact, and then yeah. I talked to people, and some people would go, no, it wasn't that way, or you forgot about this, or yeah. things. Help, some people helped me out with, with things, absolutely. Who uh, so uh, Bill Maher did your uh, your intro or the forward or whatever on your book? Are you mm-hmm. st- still close with him? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I had uh, uh, I'd asked him to do it. He said no problem, absolutely. Then I asked um, Chris Rock and Bill Burr and Mark Maron and Jeff Foxworthy and that's crazy. Bill, Billy Gardell and people to do the blurbs sort of the back of the book, and I mm-hmm. got those, and I'm really happy about that too. Did you come up with a lot of those guys, like the the uh, like Bill Burr and Mark? No, Maron no, they're another generation. Okay. Mark's a little bit behind me, like a half generation. Uh-huh. Bill Burr is definitely a full generation behind me. Okay, but you but you knew but them. Foxworthy, still. I came up with. Yeah, I knew them. I, I didn't know them. I kind of met Bill Burr one time. Oh, really? Um, because I was I'm a fan of his. Yeah. And oh, he said, he's my favorite comic, probably. And he said, by the way, I'm a fan of yours. When when I first started, I was a fan of yours. That's really cool. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because you got to think those guys, you know. Okay, like it's the way I think of someone like Bill Burr coming up, where I'm just like, oh god, it'd be so awesome to be like him. For him, it's he's probably thinking it'd be so awesome to be like Rich, right. you know? It's the way it works. It just yeah, yeah. that's crazy. Um, so okay, so you so you just contacted them, and you didn't know them that well, and they they were willing to. No, just no, I knew. I mean, obviously, I knew Mark Maron. And, yeah. and I knew Jeff Foxworthy. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I knew Chris Rock. Okay. Chris Rock was around when I f- was doing it. You know, he had just started. He would watch. Me at Catch a Rising Star in New York City. So uh-huh. he told me. They used to watch you go up and just tear it apart and go, I got to I gotta be like this guy. That's so cool. And it's the same thing when I would watch guys like Robert Klein and go, I want to be like Robert Klein. You, yeah. You just, it's, it's, Who yeah. is your ultimate comedy idol? 
probably Lenny Bruce, I guess, was my favorite. George yeah. Carlin. It's the big three, Carlin, yeah. Pryor, and Bruce. Yeah. But, you know, Robert Klein's right up there with him for me. Yeah. Absolutely. I loved your, the part in your, your book where you were saying. And uh, let, me, let me also mention. Yeah. <laughs> Albert Brooks. I love Albert oh, Brooks. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, was it in your book or was it on Mark Maron's podcast where you mentioned that, uh, you know, younger comics now will be like, you know, they'll they'll pick apart, you know, like someone like Carlin or someone's m- material because it, they don't understand it because it's a different generational thing. Right. I th- thought that was yeah, fascinating. You know, I've, I've talked to people and they'll go, well, listen to Lenny Bruce uh-huh. and some young comics. I listen to him. He's not funny. I said, you got to put him in perspective what he was doing at the time yeah. compared to everybody else at that time. Mm-hmm. So what he was doing in his era, it's like baseball players or athletes or someone. What were they doing in that era compared to everybody else of that era? Yeah. And then if you do that, you go, wow, this is very impressive. The yeah. things he was talking about th- compared to what everybody else was talking about. So you're saying he was ahead of the curve, like doing it's something more like, yeah, yeah. Like Nobody innovative. was talking about religion the way he was talking about religion. Yeah. Nobody was talking about even relationships the, with the honesty he was talking about relationships between yeah. men and women. It was brutally honest and open, and that, that's not the way the, the style was then. Who would you say was a groundbreaker of your time? Besides yourself, obviously. <laughs> no, I don't think I was. I wasn't a groundbreaker. Maybe in relationships. I was talking about relationships more than anybody else at the time. But uh-huh. ter- truly, um, a guy who changed the art form at the time was Sam Kennison. Okay. Because yeah, you talk about him a lot. In yeah, your book. he was. He 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 tapped in. He made anger a comedic commodity. Mm-hmm. And. He let loose with that scream and that anger, and of course it was. I feel like there's so many people that copy him now. Oh, now that I think about it, yeah, because anger comedy is very popular right oh, now. Oh, and it changed when he was doing it. Mm-hmm. Like he he broke like in 1985. Yeah. And so you overnight saw comics get louder, angrier, and use more curse words mm-hmm. in their acts. They would just put it's them crazy. in there, like say the comic was doing like a bit of like about some old cereal, like cocoa puffs. Or uh-huh. All of a sudden he's. F-bombs are dropping right and left. And, yeah. You know, they got loud and angry about it. Why are you getting angry about your Cocoa Puff bit, you know? Yeah. yeah totally, you're, right, you're t- 100% right. People still do it now. I mean, yeah, yeah. where they get, like, angry about dumb stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, they love they definitely that. Stole from yeah, him. yeah. So the fake outrage sort yeah. of thing that Sam tapped into. Is absolutely. That like, I feel like Dane Cook has a bit, like, similar like that. Maybe it's like this. Is it this Kool-Aid joke? I don't know. I'm so bad at remembering <laughs> things, but whatever. Um, I just, I want to hear like stories about like how, like coming up in the comedy world in your time. Cause I've, I'm, I, I am like stuck uh, somehow like 30 years behind or something. I don't know. I am like an old soul. And I know that people shouldn't say that about themselves, but maybe it's just because I like loved my dad so much that I like love his music. I love anything from that era. I like, I'm just obsessed with just, and I and I and I like and I just respect people that have been doing comedy for so long too. I just, you yeah. know, because you've seen so much more than, you know, like the like com- comics have been doing comedy for like two or three years, and they act like little punks around the comedy clubs. Like, you know, you have a lot more. Um, you know, I once I did a number count uh-huh. to see how many comics were doing it in 1979 when I moved to okay. New York, just as a, right before. The explosion right before and you're 1980. Counting, like, open I'm going to count. I'm going to count like from the top, like Richard Pryor, Steve okay. Martin, Robin Williams, to the bottom were guys who were they're not they're not making money, but they're hanging around regulars at the clubs okay. in New York right. or L.A. And I counted about 400 in the whole country. There's about That's 400. It? That's it. Catskill, Catskill God, Comics, so Vegas many, Comics, yeah. right? There are 400 in Toledo, Ohio now. So you have so many more comics that are just hobbyists. I call them yeah. shade tree comics. Mm-hmm. They just Jerk around on the weekends, playing with it. Yeah, yeah. Right? They clog up the lanes 
in a way. You're so right. Actually. I mean, you, you yeah. have so many years. You know, it used to be a heckle. Somebody would heckle. You go, don't quit your day job. I don't yeah. know if you ever heard that. It's an yes, old of heckle. Course, of course. Right? Well, now you've got comics who never intend to quit their day jobs. Yeah. They're just doing it, hanging out, playing around yeah. on the weekends, something or to do. Or they're making a job of it because now most of the clubs run on like promoter shows. So it's like outside produced shows. So it's like, okay, so uh, Jamie Flam, who's the booker for the Hollywood yeah. Improv, was did my podcast last week. And he said, Every week he gets anywhere from 500 to 1,000 avails from comics, calling and being like, I want a spot, whatever. He said on a good week, he only has 15 spots that he can give them that are actually booked from the improv. The rest of the other shows are booked by outside promoters, which are often comics that are booking the shows. Sure. But, like, they've made that, like, a job where, like, they're more – I mean, there's so many of them, though, that are actually, like, really serious comics. I sure. Mean, a lot of them sure. are great, but – there's some of them that are truly just sort of like doing it as a job, and they'll like go up and host a little bit, and yeah, yeah, they're you know? they're 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 you have to be a lot more business person now than you had to be in my era, where you could yeah. just totally be a comic, yeah, and then you have to do a lot more hustling, like you said, your own little shows. Mm-hmm. But I did that, you know. When I look back when I first started in Washington D.C., there weren't any comedy clubs, yeah. So I was going around and finding places to do it, and I wasn't starting any shows. I wasn't going oh a comedy show because there wasn't yeah. any kind of interest in that. But I'd go put myself in the shows, hustle myself in the shows. So I kind of get that yeah. sort of hustle when yeah. I first started. I needed to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there is still so much hustle now too, where they're like the, the the thought of like you have to hang around so then you can get booked, so they see your face. You know, the comedy store specifically that never is changes. Like, that yeah. never changes. That's been the way I talk to people who are in generations ahead of me. Yeah, the same sort of thing. You just got to hang around so the nightclub owner, or the comedy club yeah. owner, they see you. Which I which I partially believe in that kind of thing. Like I've never asked anyone for a favor in the entertainment industry if they weren't truly my friend. Like I really like to be, because I always hate when people ask me for favors. If like if you don't even know me, I'm just like, huh. Like, I, I really care about, like, becoming friends with, like, a booker or something before I even ask for a spot or stage time, you know? You better watch it. Those scruples are going to kill you. <laughs> really? I'm too, I'm too nice. No, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> I kidding. I don't know. Maybe I No, am. no, no. You, you stick, stick with what you're doing. It's good. I don't know. Okay, so where'd you grow up? I want to hear about how you got into comedy, and I want to hear some of the stories that were in the book. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I started, I grew up in New Jersey, a small town mm-hmm. down by Wilmington, Delaware, just a small little uh, town, and um, uh, I was always funny. I was mm-hmm. always funny. I can remember the first time I got a laugh. I can remember that. How old were you? I was, like, first grade. Uh-huh. That from a laugh from somebody who had tried to make them laugh. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, and I made my friend Steve Riley laugh in first grade. And That's I went, great. You know, you, it's like discovering you have a superpower. You go, uh-huh. wow, I can make somebody laugh. But I was I was doing that, and I was always funny. And But I didn't know how to get into doing it, you know. I mean, yeah. I didn't – there was no – in my family in show business or any kind of idea that I could do that. I was always interested in watching comedians on TV. My dad mm-hmm. loved that. You know, he would always watch Ed Sullivan's show. It was a big show then. Yeah. If there was a comic going, man, he'd watch it. He'd go out to nightclubs at the time. They oh, were, really? He'd yeah, go out he, and, like, yeah, find Yeah, he went comic. out and found oh, comics. Wow. He went out and watched comics. He had comedy albums at, at our house, a lot of comedy albums. Oh, that's, yeah, that was your influence, so, probably, yeah. yeah. I was I was listening to it at an early age, and, um, and, and I, I, I was funny, I, you know, around my friends. Not just around my friends. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, I, I I did things. I did wild things. You know, mm-hmm. that I, I look back when I go, yeah, like I, it, the, one of the stories in the book is about the punch board. I don't know if you remember uh-huh. that. I was I was running a bar, managing this bar, and it was uh-huh. a rough bar, and I was being funny with everybody. You uh-huh. know, like I was standing behind a bar was like my stage. Yeah. So I gave people nicknames. I mocked them, and I'd get everybody else laughing at them, and I just you know being funny back there. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, that was. You know, definitely. How I old were back. you when you were running that bar? Uh, Twenty-one. 
Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah it was young. You know, bringing bands in and yeah. just running. A, it was a rough rock and roll bar. And then but did you start doing? Uh, did you start doing comedy there? No, no, no. I, I thought, well, I'm going to go to law school because I couldn't see any kind of future just running a bar mm-hmm. for myself. And I went to law school, and I, I was in law school, and um, in Washington D.C. It wasn't a great law school. It was the International School of Law and Screen Door Repair, so it wasn't really, <laughs> you know, it was, it was, it was um, uh, my friend Howard Vine. Uh-huh. He thought I was funny. I thought I was funny. We needed a third opinion. Okay. So he found a place for me to perform. It was called the Iguana Coffee House. It was in the basement of a church in Washington, D.C. That sounds like a rough room. No, it was, really, it was like a bunch of hippies trying okay. to outlast disco. That's okay. all it was. It was just, there was like a bunker mentality for the hippies. They were down there. There was a show. I followed a poet. I still have the tape of the show. That's awesome. And you could hear the last line the poet said, like the mango, we are ripe for the revolution. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now, nobody was talking mango in 77. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, I, I, I got introduced to do my little, I had like five minutes planned or a couple uh-huh. minutes planned. And, uh, I never forget the guy. He, he, my first showbiz introduction was, he says, all right, uh, this next guy is going to try something funny. It's like a You're warning. Like, it's a warning. It's not yeah. a, you know, he's like, awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Just set him up to be yeah, judging yeah, me. Yeah. He's going to try something funny. We're not sure he can do it. He's going to try. And, uh, I got up there and I started talking and two guys who were playing chess heckle me like the the first heckle I got was one of the guys just turned to me and went, shh, like, like, stop talking. We're trying to play chess here. Oh, my God. And, um, and I, I did, like, a couple minutes, and I got one reaction, like, one reaction. I did one guy at one point just went, huh, that's it. That's all I got. Like, a <laughs> beginning laugh, and he stopped. And you were like, now the drug has started. I, it was it. Yeah. I mean, I literally, I took the tape player home to my little room, mm-hmm. and I kept rewinding that tape, like, huh, rewind, huh, rewind, huh. It's like, just, it was like it. Like, I'm a genius. <laughs> I got something. I got it. A stranger who I never met before laughed yeah. at something I prepared. You know that was that's, it. Yeah, that's, I know. I love. I, I yeah. comedy was like that for the first time I did. Right? It too. I was just like, oh, this is what I do for forever now. Someone laughed at me. Now this is what I do. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So then, when did you start getting it? So, did you stay in law school after? How long did you graduate? Yeah, no, I did. I was already um, at that point. I was um, doing it. I was two years in, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, the place called L. Brookman's started doing stand-up comedy. Okay. And it was a little bar in southeast um, D.C. And guys like Lewis Black and Ron Zimmerman and Kevin Rooney and John Heyman. A lot of these people, yeah. T.B. Mulrooney, we all still doing comedy or in the business some way. Yeah. Bill Masters. We, we, we all showed up there and started doing comedy there. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know that. Like I was doing it down there for in El Brookman's till probably 1978. Yeah. And a friend of mine, she saw me and she went, you know, there, there are comedy clubs like this up in New York City. I was like, what? What? <laughs> I didn't know what? Yeah. So, oh, yeah, there, there, there are guys like your age doing this up in New York City. So we went up to New York City, mm-hmm. and uh, there was Catch a Rising Star, there was the Improvisation, mm-hmm. and a comic strip. And we it was a Saturday night. We couldn't get into Improv or Catch, okay. so we went over to the comic strip, sat in there watching a show, and I saw Jerry Seinfeld for the first time. Really? Yeah, he was doing... Was he already successful at no, that point? No, no, this was 1978. Yeah, okay. So he was, you know, just I'm coming up. I'm just trying to picture his age, right? Like yeah, he, yeah. He how was old a, would he be now? Well, at that time, he's Jerry like Jerry 60? was probably 24. Yeah, okay. he's 61, 62, whatever yeah, he is, okay. 63, whatever he is. At that time, he was probably, you know, 24, 25. Okay. Um, and he was, he still had great material. I mean, yeah. you could tell he, he was a cut yet. above. He it could tell he was a cut above. No, uh-huh. no, he's unknown, completely unknown. Yeah. But I never forget the, him or, or the bit. He did a whole bit about amusement parks and the helpless father and son bumper car team. And uh, <laughs> okay. that was that was I just never forget that. So 
uh, yeah, I said, okay, now I knew there was another place where people were doing it. Mm-hmm. So how did you start performing? Like, okay, so so you eventually move up to New York, yes? Is that 79, your first place? yeah. In 79. Yeah. How did you break into clubs at that time? Was it just you would show up to open mics, or you would you just get to know the booker? or The, the first, the first um, comedy club, paying comedy club on the East Coast was Garvin's in Washington, D.C. It opened up. Oh, really? So I became... That was the first paying club? That was the first paying comedy club. In what year? Dedicated upon 1979, January 79. On the whole East Coast? The whole East Coast. County really, east of, the, east of the Mississippi. There were three paying comedy clubs in California. There was a laugh stop uh-huh. down in Newport uh, Beach. Mm-hmm. There was the... Down in, in, in Pacific Beach, but then was it moved to La Jolla. It was the comedy store. Okay. And then there was the um, Comedy Magic Club down in Hermosa oh, okay. Beach. So those three were the first paying... Comedy oh, so like the, the improv that wasn't even open in they, they were open, but they weren't paying. Paying, okay. Paying. So, oh, yeah, okay. Pay paying people paying, to come paying, in and perform. It. Pay them a few hundred bucks or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like showcase clubs. The comedy store at the time was a showcase club. Yeah, I see what right? you're saying now. Yeah. The, that was before the... the, 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 the strike, strike of 79. Yeah. They started paying. But this was... So on the East Coast, there were no comedy clubs. The, the comedy clubs in New York City mm-hmm. were showcase clubs. They pay a $5 cab fare. Okay. Maybe you get 20 bucks on a weekend. Yeah. For, so they my, were paying for like, my listeners that don't know, there were, in 1979, there was a strike that happened. started at the comedy store. Right. With who? Who were the people that started the strike? Like well, Leno I think there was Jay Leno and Elaine yeah. Boozler and uh, Mark Lanau, uh, who was one of the, uh, eventually became a part owner at the Improv. He was doing it. And there were there were a lot of people who were striking. Tom Dreesen, yeah. they were part of the strike. To get pay because the comedy store was making so much money. Mm-hmm. They said, we deserve a cut. We're the yeah. comics. We so they were cut. going in all the time, like watching the right. main room get sold out. Right. And like they weren't getting paid anything. Right. So uh, they yeah, were on and strike and they eventually yeah. got part of the money uh, for the improv. I had to start paying them. But, it still but not much. Not no, much it money. wasn't yeah. enough you were going to make a living. Is that Someone told me that, that's, that they're still paying the same exact amount now that they were then. <laughs> yeah, probably. When I do, when I do yeah. the improv, yeah. I get 50 bucks. <laughs> that's the same. Yep, that's what I got. <laughs> yeah. 82. Yeah. So there you go. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so I just wanted to make a backstory on that. Yeah, so, that's good. So the place, uh, okay, so this place in Washington, D.C. was yeah, the so first it, paying. Yeah, so I started, I was the MC, I became the house MC there. Uh-huh. And, those guys who were coming down from New York City, I say guys, men and women, comics who were coming down from New York City, um, I be- became friendly with them because mm-hmm. I was working with them. And they said, you got to move to New York City. And I already had my mind. I know i got to move there. And yeah. So uh, Glenn Hirsch, Rick Overton, are a couple of great comics there. And they, they were like, we'll help you get in the improv. Mm-hmm. So I came up there. They, they got a set for me to audition. Uh, Howard Klein, who became a, a big-time manager out here, uh-huh. he was the assistant manager. And Chris Albrecht, who became head of HBO, is now, I think, head of Stars. Uh, he was the manager. So they said, okay, you can, uh, you can you pass the audition. You can hang out. That's mm-hmm. what you got. You go, you can okay. hang out. Right? What we talked about. You can about. just hang. You, can you just hang out. But, okay, that, but they, you couldn't hang out unless you passed? Yeah, you had to pass, become, become you know, a regular at the club. Okay. Now, there was a big difference between regular and paid regular. Okay. Because a regular just meant I hang out, which meant I go on late at night. You oh, know? okay. The, the shows back then ran to like and 3 in the morning. And you may not get on too, right? You if may someone, not get okay. on. It just depends. It's a pecking order. It depends, you know, like, so they have a set schedule, and then after that was sort of a free-for-all in the Comedy MC. Comedy is just not good for health. No, so no. Just stay up this late no. all the time. But I wanted to make that next level, which was paid regular, which means yeah. you got paid Weekend spots of twenty five dollars, whatever it was, yeah, and um, and sort of like be able to become an MC too, which mm-hmm. paid like fifty dollars a night. Yeah, so I'd go hang out every night, and on the weekends, Friday and Saturday, I'd hang out all night long, from eight o'clock at night. I would be in that in the bar, just hanging out the bar, yeah. hoping somebody wouldn't show up. That was yeah. my thing. I was like a vulture, a vulture. And yeah. one night, 
uh, a guy, Richie Gold, didn't show up for his spot. I knew I, I knew who he was. I knew he wasn't in the place. And Gilbert Gottfried was on stage. Okay. And I, I was like, there's a paid spot that Richie's not showing up for. He wasn't in there. And there were no other comics in the bar. I was the only one. And <laughs> they kept looking him. at me. They kept looking at me. Exactly I did. They kept looking at you know Howard Clyde and, and, and Chris Albright. They kept looking at me going, oh, he's the only guy out there. We don't know. We've never put him on before. Can he do it? We don't know. It's a week. It's a it's a Friday night packed yeah. house. It's a, and finally, you know, they kept calling up the other clubs. Hey, is there a comic? Get a comic over here. We need a comic. <laughs> I could tell them what they were doing. And finally, they walk up to me and said, "You think you can go up there and hold the crowd right now?" And I said, "Yeah, I could do it." And I followed Gilbert, and I did fine. And they said, "Okay, you're paid regular." That's all. That's I got. so cool. Paid regular, and I walked. So that's how there. you got passed. That's so you did well enough that they wanted to pass you. It wasn't just a one-time thing. Yeah, yeah, but when you pass again, there was another level within that. It was okay. much higher, which okay. become, you know, you, you really need to become a paid regular. Yeah. It was like a really No, I know, term. but they, like, officially made you Major paid regular. Yeah, they said yeah. you're paid regular. It wasn't just like, I'm, all right, we're going to pay you this one yeah, time. Yeah, and then, then, then they started giving me paid spots. I got okay. earlier spots. I got spots in the lineup. You'd come in at night, and your name was on the yeah, actual thing, on the not thing, like yeah. one of the free-for-all guys after midnight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was That's important. so cool. Yeah. How long did you stay in D.C.? So that was it, or were you just no, traveling no, I moved, back I moved, I moved to New York. I moved to New York in 79, so I was moving there. I lived there then. I read your, uh, when I was reading your book, it, you were doing maintenance. Yeah. Was that at the time when you were like a handyman? Oh, you mean when I was throwing people out of apartments, you mean? Yeah, but you were, okay, you were a handyman for like a day and then you started throwing people out. Yeah, I forgot yeah, that it was like, yeah. were you actually a handyman for a yeah, while? Yeah, I was handyman for one day. What? They said the oh, guy, just one day. I was having a hard time paying my rent. I think my rent yeah. was only like 150 yeah. bucks or 200 bucks a month. Yeah, well, something. that's pretty hard when you only give me $25. Yeah, yeah. Because eventually you have to eat. <laughs> yeah, you know? right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> So the so the guy with the landlord says, "Listen, uh, we're doing construction. We're, uh, uh, New York yeah. had just started to try to come back, and they were selling buildings for a dollar if you promised to rehab the building and make it habitable. Because it, it was all squatters down there. There's a bunch of abandoned buildings down in the East Village. Really? Okay. 1979. So they started fixing up buildings. He said, mm -hmm. we 'We're doing a lot of construction. Can you do construction?' I said, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll sure. give you five dollars an hour. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I show up, and these guys like in the two seconds they realize I don't know the difference between a screwdriver and a saw." And they go, uh, look, man, won't you just go get us stuff, get us cigarettes, beer, you know, sandwiches, coffee, whatever. And I said, yeah, and clean up. I said, I, I can do that. So I hung out. And I made him laugh. Mm -hmm. So they, they told the guy, look, he's not a carpenter, but he's a good guy. Okay. So the next day, the guy goes, look, you can't do, can you clean out apartments? I go, yeah, I can clean them out. He said, all right, show up at this place tomorrow morning at 7 or whatever, and mm -hmm. these guys will meet you, and you'll go clean out apartments. I thought it was just like cleaning trash out of apartments. Yeah. There were squatters. We were throwing people out of the apartments there were squatters was this like mafia run oh absolutely like, okay absolutely there's three italian young italian guys and me that's so funny and then the funny thing was i told comics about that and they go yeah 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 I said, no no i did that go, yeah and then one lady oh i believe it star. yeah that's just that's just real I, I was on stage at catch a rising star and one of the young guys stands up and goes hey richie hey look and he was he was one of those he was guys one of the guys but that's he is now hilarious. like moved up yeah he moved up the organization oh so you were around the mafia people too i'm also fascinated by that yeah <laughs> Yeah. We have a similar story. I well, mine lasts a little longer, but I manage apartment. Well, I manage the building I live in now, so my mm. rent's like three hundred bucks a month, so I can still like tour and do a bunch of comedy and not have to worry about it. Mm. So I know I know a thing or two about maintenance. Not the cleaning up mafia shit, but like I know a little I did bit that, about that. I did maintenance, by the way, handyman stuff. Mm -hmm. When I was in Washington D.C., I lived oh, yeah? in a hotel. I did that then. Yeah, it's so like, I can listen, do plastering and painting. But this was real carpet. Well, I mean, work. I actually don't know how. I just call someone to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but I know the world of it. I know what should be. I know what it looks like, and it's supposed to be done. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you need so to know. So it's a comic hustle. It is yeah. what it is. It is. A hustle's a hustle. So then, okay, so now, so then you're officially in New York, and you're here in the mafia, basically, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> Did you ever feel like it was, like, kind of dangerous? 
Like, yeah, like, I did. Because I you did. Were around, we, were, like, we were. We were. Look, we were. I mean, these we people were drink are like, in the morning. We were drink yeah. to get our spirits up. To go we, and to get, get the people yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were throwing. A lot of people did not want to leave. Yeah. We were kicking in some doors. We were throwing stuff out of windows. Did they have weapons? No, I didn't, we didn't face any weapons, but we yeah. did go into a couple of places where shooting galleries. Uh-huh. Which you know what that is? No. That's I don't. that was like people sitting around shooting dope. Oh, okay. So oh, okay. we walk in and it was like. Some junkie, junkie yeah. who was a dealer or whatever is running this thing. There's a bunch of junkies Jesus. lounging around the place. We yeah, and they've got some adrenaline in them, and they might just attack they, you. They're, they're kind of like really like sort of like hacky sacks, you know, yeah. big hacky sacks. Well, it depends on what type bean, of drug, bean, to, bean bag chairs, that's yeah. what they were. They were kind of limp. Yeah. But we moved them out. That's crazy. It was brutal. Yeah, but it those was. people could have had guns. They could have. It was a really dangerous job. It was a very dangerous job. It was Was your stupid. mom worried? I don't think my mom was aware of it. Yeah, she probably would have been really worried. Yeah, I tried to keep myself as unaware of it as I could, too. How long was it before you like made yeah, comedy like, like a, a profession? That was a month or two doing that, and mm-hmm. it was really burning out. And then it became a paid regular. And then then clubs, there were not really comedy clubs, but they were like these rooms, like these bars in Jersey, started doing comedy nights. Yeah, they would pay you fifty, seventy five dollars. Oh, big do money. Them and you know, <laughs> but at the time, that is actually you do three of them, and your ma- your yeah. rent's made. Yeah, you know? I mean that's no, it's true. Because yeah. in L. A., when you do comedy here, you don't really get paid that much. Like I said, like fifty bucks. Yeah, you don't get paid unless you go on the road or do like you know like that was the same yeah, deal a tour there. or something right. so yeah. we drive out to jersey or go out it's in the crazy. queens or someplace and mm-hmm. these little rooms started opening up they were paying a little bit of money and then um 1980 the whole thing blew open i mean uh-huh. and that was with the comedy boom yeah then then clubs started open like crazy did you know could you feel that it was happening were you kind of like oh yeah i did the right thing by getting into this oh yeah you know the first one i did was um 1980 i'm down to Comic Strip in Fort Lauderdale was also one of the early clubs on the East Coast. Uh-huh. The Comic Strip in New York opened a club down in Fort Lauderdale. So I'm down there in the comedy condo. This was like the first yeah. thing that we had. To, you know, we're mm-hmm. all staying in this one place. Yeah. And the phone, telephone, landline phone with the, like an old movie where the wire goes into the wall. Uh-huh. And oh, yeah. my buddy <laughs> Kelly Rogers, he was another comic, uh-huh. he hands me the phone. He says, listen, whatever this guy says, tell him you can do. Okay. So I get on the phone. The guy goes, I got a comedy club, a new comedy club up in Ottawa, Canada. Can you do two 45-minute shows, separate shows? I go, yeah. On the same night? Same night, yeah. Two different, at, two different, the whole different material. Right. Okay. I go, yeah. He goes, all right, I need you for next week. Can you come next week? I go, yeah. And I'll forget what he paid me for the week, yeah. $600 or whatever. That's it was awesome. Like, it was awesome. Right? Yeah. So I had 45 minutes. To, if I, if I, if I, I had... 45 minutes that they laughed at everything I did twice. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have close. But Kelly goes, don't worry about it. You'll write the material. You'll do it. You'll figure it out. I pulled it off. And I, at the end of that week, I'm in getting my money. And the club owner in Ottawa says, look, a guy wants to talk to you on the phone. I pick up the phone. It's a guy from Montreal. His name was Ernie Butler. He says, I got a club in Montreal. I mm-hmm. heard you did great in Ottawa. Can you come right now, this week, in That's Montreal? Awesome. I said, yeah. At the end of that week. Guy gets on the phone and says, my name is Mark Breslin. I got a comedy club in Toronto. Yuck, yucks. Mm-hmm. I heard you did great in Montreal, Ottawa. Can I went out one week in Fort Lauderdale. Ended up three weeks later headlining in three different clubs in Canada. That's and came back. And that's the way it started. And that's so all crazy. of a sudden, these clubs opened Where it was, Pittsburgh, Did it feel Cleveland. like it was easy almost? Like it just came? Like Because there wasn't as many comics maybe then? Yeah. You know why? Because I was really always uh, aggressive with getting material. Mm-hmm. Building an act, mm-hmm. so I was always building time. Like yeah, comics. But, but even just getting booked was it easy? Because there's people that do. No, no. You know why it was not? Because once you proved you could headline back then, there weren't a lot of people who could do it. Okay. See, it, in New York and L.A., 
at these showcase clubs, mm-hmm. if you did 15, 20 minutes, it's all you need to do, right? Yeah. So some guys would do 15, 20 minutes, and pretty much that's all they do. They wouldn't write yeah. more material. They just have a 15, 20-minute act. Oh. Did a lot of those people ever get picked up from TV just based on 15, 20 minutes? Some, yeah, sure, okay. sure. And 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 if an act was built a lot around being in New York City, like Subway jokes mm-hmm. or that kind of thing, those wouldn't work outside. Yeah. So I didn't have a lot of those jokes. Yeah. And I was very aggressive about building more and more time. Yeah. So I had enough time to headline mm-hmm. early on. And so those were the comics they needed. They had packed audiences. Yeah. These clubs opened up. People came flooding in. It was a brand new thing. It was hot. It was interesting. Ah, that's cool. You know. But, yeah, because they were just coming to see comedy, but it was hard to find people like you that that's could right. do 45 that's right. minutes or yeah, they whatever. Were, they, they, didn't, they just trusted the club to put somebody on that was good. Yeah. So once a club owner said, this guy killed here, you could tell. They called each other up and said, this guy's doing great here. You want him. You'll want this guy. That's awesome. You know, and that's the way it worked for a lot of people. What was most of your material based on back then? Or just uh, some... Sex, some drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, I, you I opened up for a lot of bands. I opened yeah. up for a lot of bands. So they had comedy opening up for bands a lot back then? Yeah, back in when I was in Washington, D.C. in 77. Who'd you open for? Well, probably not these people you ever heard of. I, I know but, more than you think. But uh, I opened up for Ramones. I opened up I, of for... Of course, I know who they are. Okay, I opened up for uh, the Plasmatics. I opened up for the oh. Rick Danko from the band. These are stories that have Peter Tosh. I love the band. Yeah, yeah. I was I, actually listening to them earlier. That, that, there you go. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was a big thing for me, too, because I loved them. Yeah. There were a lot of different groups I opened up for. Some were not even... Rock and roll with Mose Allison, a jazz uh-huh. guy, or Robert Hunter, who was acoustic. He was a lyricist for the Grateful Dead. There oh, were cool. a lot of different people to open up for. So basically, they would do would they do just do comedy and then go straight into the main act, or would it be like comedy and then like another like smaller band and then? There were sometimes I did that. You know when when mm-hmm. when I opened up for like say uh, one time I opened up for John Prine and Leon Redbone. So I was the first Love act. John Prine. Me too. So uh, I opened up and then they had another one. But a lot of times it was me and then the main group. Okay. Yeah. That's so weird. Do they do that now? I've never I seen a, com- a comedian open so. for like. I don't think just so. This doesn't seem like it translates that well. No, I mean, no. And they, you know, and you look back, and the promoters were saving a lot of money. Yeah. Because they're paying me fifty, seventy-five. The most ever guy thing was like a hundred bucks. Right? Yeah. But they'd have to pay a local band or some other band mm-hmm. five, six, a thousand. Yeah, because they got all that equipment too. Right, right. Yeah. And so they just—it's easy. You tell them, tell the comic to use that mic over there. Yeah. Use the middle mic, and that's it. That's the only setup we need. I should bring that back. Get some more spots. I don't know. I like uh, it. It's, it, it <laughs> I, look, I was young and crazy and mm-hmm. desperate, but it's a tough way to learn the, the profession. It's yeah. a tough way to learn the craft. I learned, I mean, I, I learned a lot of, a lot of my stuff that I learned was doing rock shows. Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a brutal training. Yeah. Well, meaning like with the crowd and stuff? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, they don't, most of the time they didn't know any They weren't prepared to see coming. comedy no. anyways. So yeah. I walk out. A lot of times the, the person who's doing the announcer would forget to say I was even a comedian. Yeah. So they go, please welcome Rich Scheidner. Yeah. Well, I walk out, they're going, what's he going to do? He doesn't have a guitar. He doesn't have anything. What's yeah. he? And then you start talking. They go, what? Oh, 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 that was supposed to be funny. It took them like a minute if mm-hmm. they gave you that. Then they're booing. Yeah. Then their drugs are going off in one way or yeah. another. So there's all sorts of stuff happening. Yeah. I was th- I w- the comedy is incredibly hard outside of a comedy club. Or some a place that everyone knows they're going to see all comedy. Like even when people like comics start to do like charity shows, I've done them. Like or just anything where like people aren't necessarily expecting to see comedy. It's right. like well, I, it's just always like a little awkward. It is. It is. And in these right. comedy clubs, people come in expecting to, to see, see comedy. comedy. Yeah, they're expecting so to drink and like be in a dark room and hear comedy. They weren't expecting it, but you, yeah. But I got good at it, and yeah. I and I and and also I was in Washington D.C. and some people started. Ex- not being surprised to see me because I was doing it a lot. Really? So I became like a 
little bit of a minor celebrity like people go hey rich that is that's they, awesome I get some cheers when i walk out like they'd seen me before so yeah that that started to work for me i loved a lot of the stories in your book about uh uh your your hard partying days it's always <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i'm did. also always fascinated by that with that time where like it was just so like i hang out in comedy clubs i'm not really uh oh i obviously I hang out in comedy i'm a comic I'm not really the type of person that people are ever offering me drugs. I just feel like maybe there's something about me or people just think I don't want them. I don't know. But, like, I I don't know if they're just around at all, like, anymore. I mean, I know people that do them still, obviously. And I've been around it. But my point is, was it just like <laughs> What is your then, point there? Was it just, like, back then it was just like just everyone was doing it because i feel like now it's like really secretive if people are doing it like you know very little if someone does it you know coke or something here and there but i yeah. feel like back then it was just was it like i, just I think everyone more people it? looking at it as a career now so they want to keep their image yeah. that they're not somebody who's doing drugs and and when i first started especially i didn't even think of it as a career at all I, yeah. I thought i'm just doing this and i'm going at it and and it was just part of what was going on and so yeah. i'm working around these bands who are doing it i remember you know, I've, I've been on stage under the influence of every drug you can think of. Yeah. And for better or for worse. Did you already have a... Oh, you could... So you... Could you perform, like, under the influence? Not well. I mean, yeah. I, I got to the point, and I learned after trial and error... Yeah. ...that it was not good to go on under anything. I didn't yeah. like to take any alcohol before. Yeah. You know, caffeine, that's one thing, but nothing else... I yeah, I'm I the same way. I mean, I like to drink as a person, but I learned if I had too many drinks on stage, like I have a speech impediment pretty much anyways. Like I mumble too much. Me too. And so me it too. was like two cocktails. And I was like, like no one knows what I'm <laughs> yeah, saying because I'm like nervous already. So it's like just yeah. and I talk fast. So, so they I, did cocaine. Yeah. I'm then like, you're, then it's you know, over. Like, <laughs> like, is he snarling? Is he talking? <laughs> What's going on up there? My brain thinks quicker than my mouth. Yeah, can move. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you, so but you have performed like uh, under. I, I went on stage tripping on acid, <laughs> tripping on mushrooms, coked up, drunk, all sorts of things. I remember once I opened up for a band called uh, it was Peter Tosh, uh -huh. who was one of the original Whalers, Bob Marley and the Whalers. Okay. And yeah. so it was a couple thousand people. Mm -hmm. uh, I got a, and I was yeah. really excited because I really loved the music. And a friend of mine, Rich that. Hall, had mm -hmm. opened up for him the weekend before in Philly. And I was talking to Richard on the phone. He said, look, whatever you do, don't go near backstage, man. Okay. I got a contact tie. I can barely do my show. <laughs> but I'm thinking, I'm smoking a lot of weed. I'm doing a lot hey, of other things. Fine. I got immunity spilled up. Yeah. I go backstage. They spotted me, obviously, as the opening act. I'm nervous. I'm walking around. And one of those Rastafarian guys goes, hey, funny man, come over here. <laughs> and he hands me a burning baseball bat. Jeez. I'd never seen a joint. This. I didn't know how to hold it, like an oboe, like a flute. I didn't know. <laughs> like a play, like a sax. I didn't, this... I, and it's Jamaican. It's Jamaican yeah. weed. I had not Which is much weed. stronger, oh, I assume. I was yeah. smoking shake weed, man. It was. <laughs> I, I, I take two hits of this thing. Next thing you know, I'm being introduced. It sounds like I'm underwater. I walked out. My buddy said, I walked out, laughed for 15 minutes, and I left. <laughs> and he said, the, the crowd laughed with you. So they were laughing at what they thought I was laughing at. I don't know what happened. Really? But Well, they might have been high, too. Yeah, probably. they were a little bit high. Yeah, I'm sure probably. They were. A probably bit. a little bit. But yeah, it, it can be dicey. There's other times when it didn't work as well as that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, um, in your book, when uh, so you... you was it was it the Alaska trip where it was oh. like they tried to get you like it, that was before you started like uh, performing under the influence on stage, right? Because oh you, no, I was time. I was performing under the influence that that Alaskan. Yeah, but I I thought it was like you had turned it down no, here's like what happened. five come in, times here, here, before. Here's what happened. I come into Alaska. It's, it was a strip joint up in Alaska. Mm -hmm. This is like '83. Yeah. This is how many comedy clubs are open and crazy. Guy calls me up, and says, "Go to Alaska." So the guy picks me up in Alaska. He's a big, tall, black guy with a cowboy hat. 
I get this pickup truck. His name was Lanier. Everybody knows <laughs> knows this club. Yeah. PJ's was an infamous club back in the day. And I get in the truck, and he, and he goes, uh, hey, man, want a beer? He's got, like, a couple beers in the cooler. I said, no, man, no, no. Because I knew I was an alcoholic before I knew I was an alcoholic. I knew really? if I started then doing would, anything yeah. that there's no there's no telling what's going to happen. I, I'm not going to stop. Like, you weren't someone that could be like, all right, I'll have two, and then I'll go on stage, and then, you know, afterwards I'll yeah. have a few. Yeah. I'm not one of those like, guys. It was like, I'm, if I start having it, you're going to have 15 before. Yeah. Okay. Who knows? Got right? it. There's no guarantee. Yeah. So – then he, I said, no beer. He says, uh, oh, man, you want to want, want to join? He pulls a joint out from behind his ear. Want some smoke? I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm cool. He said, oh, you want some blow? He pulls like a little vial out of his yeah. pocket. I said, no, man. He says, ah, whiskey. He pulls a like half pint out of the glove box. <laughs> so I much said, in no. just one car. And he goes, he goes, motherfucker, you're in Alaska. You better start doing something. <laughs> I'm from that type of uh, area in Oregon, so I can understand that. So he, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was, a, it's quite a story. It's, yeah. you know, it's. But yeah. then you eventually. Well, he he takes me to a, he takes me to a condo, okay. and I go in there, Comedy and there's condo. a naked okay. woman doing cocaine at the table, which just right when you walk in, walk I walk in. Was a she a stripper or was it just like yes, another of course, comic? Okay, of course. I didn't know at the time. I just Whoa. know I walk in. There's Could a have naked been a female comic just getting crazy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just having a good time. Very unusual. Yeah, <laughs> Very unusual. Didn't meet many of those types. Yeah, <laughs> but um, not just walking in on them. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so, so Dick Dunlap. Yeah, I walk in. She's doing blow, and she yeah. looks up, and she's like, you know. Just looks up because I, I'm, I, you know, I'm explaining who I am. Yeah. I go, I'm the other comedian. I'm the comedian. She goes, oh, and she yells, Vic, Vic. She's screaming, and this door opens up next to me, and again, another naked guy, big, heavy, naked guy, kind of just slams into the doorway. He's barely able to stand up. He goes, hey, Shiner, oh, good. Thank God you're here. And he just passes out on the bed. Jesus. He'd been there for three days, hadn't slept at all. What was his last name? Vic Dunlap. Was is he was he a famous comic? Yeah, at the time he was. He was yeah, a big headliner on okay. the road. He done make me laugh and a bunch of stuff. He was a great guy. Where was he from? He was from Los Angeles. Okay, okay, an LA yeah, comic. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> he was a Vietnam vet. He was a great guy. Aww. And and <laughs> so we're we're driving over to the club together. He said, Look, man, I've been here for three days. It's this crazy it's crazy up here, man. It's a wild west, man. Forget it. I, I was doing he was like refereeing like, you know, jello wrestling, mm-hmm. women jello wrestling, you know. He said, uh, uh, well, here's the way you gotta do the show. Uh, I'll I'll go on and do a little time, then I'll bring you up. You do a little time, bring me up. We'll just go back and forth. And and when it gets too much, and he shows me backstage, right behind the stage, uh-huh. it's like a strip joint, right? So there's a yeah. wall where the strippers come out from behind. On this two by four, he's got a plate of cocaine, <laughs> right? Got about a quarter ounce piled up on his. Yeah. He says, right here. See, when you when it gets too much on stage, come back here. You do a bump. I'll do some jokes. Then once you get fired up again, you come back out. We'll go. I said, look, and no, you're that's like, I kind of just want to do my time. I said, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, right. I don't understand. Why exactly. am I getting off stage? Exactly. That's yeah. what I said. I said, look, I'll do my time. You do your time. And that's the way it'll work. Right. So weird. He says, okay, go ahead. So they introduced me. It's a packed house. And they got rid of all. They, what they do is they, they stop the strippers. They go, all right, the strippers are stopped, you know, yeah. half hourly. Everybody, all the pervs clear out. And uh, then they hold so like couples. a couples. Oh, well, like yeah, people like that were com- not even wanting to be in ship club just That's come right. in and now they it's made sure they got the strippers okay. out of the way and then couples but came there's in. There's just not a lot of real estate in Alaska. Maybe they have to like <laughs> do a duo with. Yeah, <laughs> this was really truly, you know. Okay. And uh, they used to check the guns at the door. The whole thing they had like a guy Lanier. Oh uh, Lanier had a metal one of his wand things, like yeah. for a metal detector. That's crazy. And, and and they had a little check in. You get a ticket like a coat. You know, here's your ticket yeah. for your gun. And um, I feel like that still exists probably in Alaska. Maybe. Yeah. There were all these pipeline workers yeah. were coming down off the, they'd work mm-hmm. like eight, 10 weeks in a pipeline on, yeah. in the wilderness. They'd come down, they'd have, you know, huge amounts of cash to have a party. Yeah. I so know that well. My dad, my, where I'm from, uh, it's either you're a fisherman 
or you're a lumberjack. My dad owns a logging company, and most of the people I know were fishermen. And basically, like fishermen, they get off boats, they have a lot of cash, and then they don't work for six months. There you go. They probably blow that cash on drugs, and then they go back out and work. There you go. Yeah. I know that lifestyle well. <laughs> Not so, my family, but I know every yeah, friend yeah, I went yeah. to high school with was yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, so... So, you, they, so, so they, they shuffle they in the couples me. They introduced me. Yeah, they introduced me. Yeah. I go on stage. I start to do my first joke, and then there's a waitress right in front of me with a shot. <laughs> she was here. And I'm like, oh, let me, let me do some time here, because I wanted to yeah. at least get 20, 30 minutes in before I started drinking. Yeah. She goes, no, 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 shot. And a whole crowd just starts drinking, shot. Drink, and then you're so comfortable. You have to do it, uh, right? Peer pressure. Yeah. Always, always susceptible yeah, to peer who, pressure. Yeah, but even if, how would, let's say you were sober at that point. How would you actually get away with an entire crowd of co- uh, people watching your comedy show? What would you do? You would maybe had to tell them beforehand you were sober. Like, how would you? I would tell the waitresses. I've done that before. I would tell the wait when I got sober. I told the waitress, "Look, anybody sends me a drink, you send me uh, a shot glass of Coke uh-huh. if you want. You keep oh, the so money you yourself. The you can keep okay. the money yourself. You know. Uh-huh. You send me a shot glass of Coke, no alcohol. Okay. You, sh- you send me like a uh, if you want to send me like a glass that looks like it's a gin and tonic with just g- with tonic mm-hmm. in it. You know, gin. Yeah. Do that. And that's what I, I worked it out with the waitresses. Oh, and so all beforehand, before that. that's and what you I would do, them, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, I've done shows like that before in Vegas where, like, they just start handing you shots. I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do this and perform. Like, no, I, like, no, I'm gonna, no. But I just took one because I was like, well, everyone's just going to make fun of me if in this the was audience. just one, I'd been okay. Yeah, but they were doing it. So they did it the entire time. And I, I'm, I, I did three or four shots before I got my first joke out. Jeez. So I was a person who could drink a lot, but yeah. not a lot. Yeah. I got affected quick. And I'm starting to stagger. I look over to the side, and Vic's behind that wall, like waving at me. Come on, come on <laughs> back! So I haven't done a joke, and I go, it. I go, let's bring out our next comic. You're gonna love this guy. And I introduce Vic, and he runs out. Now he knows enough to do something real fast. Yeah. He's not playing around. He starts doing it real fast before they could lock into one of the shots. But they get him too. Yeah. So I'm backstage doing a couple of lines of coke. Yeah. Then Vic starts to stagger. So we, that's what we did. We alternated all night long, and then we go out there together, both drunk and high, and we do. Improv together and old yeah. jokes and whatever, just to and fill the that hour and a half. It? And the audience, they thought we were genius. They thought we were like the next Laurel and Hardy or whatever the, the comedy. And, uh, and it's that crazy to have an audience that was more into partying with you than seeing comedy, which I guess is kind of what all comedy audiences are, though. They love the thought of like a comic like hanging out with them and drinking yeah, yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and that's what happened after the show because this yeah. big Texan grabbed me and said, "You're coming with me," and he had a sandwich bag full filled with coke. So I was like, of course, I got a new friend here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's they crazy. love that. Did that happen uh, often, like all over the country? All, I mean, that was all over the country. We, is we it just like, because it was big then? It was big. It was like fresh and new. So you yeah. go into a town mm-hmm. and the club had just opened. So all the hipsters in town, whatever what town it was, yeah. if they were Tulsa hipsters or, yeah. or Lubbock, Texas hipsters. What was a Cleveland, hipster back then? It was like the, the guys who thought they were the coolest, you know, the people okay. who were up on things, you know, they, they would actually know something about comedy, oh, okay. about old comics and stuff, okay. or they, you know what I mean, they are hot into the music or whatever was the good thing, yeah. like Elvis Costello or whatever they were into. Okay, so same know. thing that hipsters are now, I exactly. guess. Oh, yeah, I think, right. Okay, it's not a so new term. So they would come in, because uh-huh. this was the new thing, it was a hot new thing. And the drug dealers would come in with them. Uh-huh. And so you got introduced to the drug dealers the first night. And they were always like trying to get you to hang out with them. Because then five, six other people would come yeah. along with them. And they'd sell drugs to them all night. And give you free drugs. You were like the, the bait. Yeah. You know, give you free drugs. Then these guys would pay for oh, drugs. Oh, so, okay. So, like, if they watched the comic do it, then the people in the audience would, would go then go pay well, for they it? Well, they would. No, no. I mean, say they're going to hang out afterwards. This okay. happened time and time. Like, hey, we're having a party over at this house. Why don't you come over? Okay. So, they'd slip me like an eight ball to come over. So, yeah. I come over. I, I'm doing drugs. But they'd tell everybody, hey, the comic's coming to my house. 
oh. the comics come to my house at a party. The comics, drug so then they are sell, great marketers. Yeah, they'd sell drugs to everybody else at the house. And That's I was crazy. The selling point. Do you do you think if you wouldn't have started doing comedy or it wouldn't have been um, okay? Two questions. If you wouldn't have started doing comedy, do you think you would have uh, got into drugs and alcohol as much as you did? No, I was in it before I ever did comedy. You really? You, comedy, you did coke before you ever comedy did comedy? Comedy replaced that addiction. It superseded it. Okay. And then, the, and then at some point, uh, around 80, 45, I uh -huh. no longer control at all. I couldn't quit drinking or doing drugs. Then yeah. the drugs and alcohol took over. Yeah. And they got in the way of the comedy. And then that's that was they took away my greatest thing, which is my mm -hmm. sense of humor. Mm -hmm. That was my bottom. And yeah. I said, once they took that away, I had to get rid of the alcohol and drugs. Yeah. Because I, I valued the sense of humor more than anything. Do you think that if you wouldn't have come up in comedy during that time where it was as rampant, would you have gotten as addicted? Yes. You think so? It just didn't matter. Didn't matter. It was just who you were. What time? You drop me in whatever time it yeah. is. Drop me in a vaudeville. I'm the guy who's, yeah. <laughs> you know, doing uppers and goofballs <laughs> or whatever they called them back then. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, like, uh, all right. Before you get into where, like, that you, you stop doing whatever. So, uh... All right, so you moved to New York in what year, 80? Moved to New York in 79. 79. And so you're just, are you a road comic mostly from? Well, once 80 started, I was uh -huh. going to road a lot. And I did colleges. I did, it uh -huh. wasn't just comedy clubs because I was a young guy. I was still only 25 years yeah. old, 26 years old. Then in th that time period, I was doing colleges. I wasn't okay. that far out of colleges. So I did a lot of colleges and, and, and uh, the comedy clubs were open. I was okay. doing those. And what year did you move to L.A.? 82. 82. Did you move out here by yourself? No, my, my first wife was a comedian. Love is a Carol Leifer? Carol Leifer, yeah. that's right. Okay. And so you guys moved out here. And did you stay out here? Because I remember reading in your book you went back to New York for a while, or no? You just stayed here? No, no, we moved out here in 82. We were out here. And then you just stayed yeah, we here? We lived in West Hollywood. Everybody sort of landed in West Hollywood. Mm -hmm. That's where we did. I, yeah. Our first apartment was over on Kings Road. Yeah. And then we moved over to um, uh, Lexington, which is right off of Santa Monica. Okay. Yeah. Little house, rented a little house over there. So you guys, uh, you got, did you, was she a stand-up too? Or oh, yeah. Just right? yeah okay. Great stand-up. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. Okay, which wasn't yeah, true. Absolutely, yeah. Was it weird dating a f uh, like another comic? I didn't know the difference then. Yeah. But um, yes, you know, it is. Because you, you're you both worried about your own careers. So there's mm -hmm. a little bit of a competition there. Yeah, there'd have, there would right? have to be. Absolutely. And you, and you guys are both going up at the same clubs. You're both going up clubs, at the comedy everything. store and then absolutely. Prado, places. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in fact, there's in a book one time, you know, we'd go on the road and, and she would go middle and I'd, I'd close. And sometimes, because I was a guy and it was very unusual back yeah. then, there were very, very few women. Yeah. And um, so she would go middle. But, you mm -hmm. know, if she got rolling, she was a headliner town. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about it. She was a steamroller. Yeah. And sometimes she'd, she'd see that red light, you know, telling her it's 25 minutes is up. She'd be like, yeah, F that. Yeah. I got my going. teeth into this crowd. You know what I mean? That's awesome. And I'd be back there in the back going like, Jeff Foxworthy tells this story one time he just started and I'm in the back of the room. She's killing and she's running the light. And I'm yeah. going like, close with it, close with it, close <laughs> with it. And he walks over and he goes, hey, man, quiet down a little bit. Like, That's my wife. Don't you worry about it. I'll take care of this. <laughs> Not took care of nothing. She did what she was going to do. Was it yeah. weird? Like, were there any other, like, comedy couples, like, married at the time? At that time, I don't, I don't think I knew of anybody. You know, the, there, were, yeah. there were people who were married couples, but they weren't comedy couples yeah uh, i think later dennis wolfberg and Jeannie mcbride they, mm -hmm. they would have been somebody 
and then there were other ones, you know, Bill Sheff and Adrian Tolsch later on. Mm-hmm. But at that time, you know, we got married in 81. Okay. I don't remember anybody else. Maybe I'm just kind of blanking on it, yeah. but I don't remember anybody else. So would you go on the road and then she would stay back? and like? She we'd, sometimes we worked together uh-huh. and a lot of times we went out separately. Was that hard? Uh, which way? Well, I don't know. On the marriage, I would assume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh, uh, you're asking if I was faithful? No, no, no. Oh. Just like, like, how does that? Well, I was, I was it thinking. Was a strain mo- being apart. I was thinking more that, like, you were probably. I guess I was just. That's terrible of me to think this as a female comic. That you were probably going on the road, getting more opportunities than her. On the road? Yeah, meaning like you were just getting more opportunities. Was I, I think no, she was. She was good. She got a lot of work. I mean, yeah. there was no problem. Wasn't like she was going to be not be able to get work unless she worked with me. Yeah. I think there's times when she wanted to go out and just close the show. Then we were both headliners then. Oh, okay. So we couldn't work the same show. You know, I wasn't going to give up the headliner spot. Oh, I, think I see. So at a point, was, certain point, you guys were both headliners. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And yeah, at so a certain point, she's separately. like, "I don't want to be middle for you, even." So yeah. I think that that sort of took over. I can't remember exactly, but. No, I don't think that she had any problem getting work. Yeah. Uh, How long did you guys stay married? From 81 to 85. I think I think it was, uh, we split in 85. And I think it was like, you know, the the final legal divorce mm-hmm. was maybe early 86 or something. And uh, had you gotten sober by that point? 85, yeah. I guess okay. Over 85, yeah. Did you get um, your, uh, your first Tonight Show spot? How old were you when you got that? 84. I was 31. Was that a big deal? It was a huge Probably deal. the hugest deal. Huge deal. Yeah. Huge deal. You How know, did you I, get I started, it? Did, did you this was, a, you know, 84. I'd started doing it the first time in 77, been full-time mm-hmm. since 79. So it was a huge deal to me. Yeah. And that was the thing back then, mm-hmm. to, to do a Tonight Show. Yeah. Everybody I mean, it's still it. a big deal now. It's just there's not as many spots, I guess. Uh, yeah. Right, right. They just don't exactly. do it as much. They don't. They don't. Do you feel like it's harder now to make it as a comic? I think, here's the thing about to me today. Mm-hmm. You have far more comics making far more money you have far more comics working theaters mm-hmm. uh, yeah, headlining on the comedy clubs are bigger the comedy yeah, clubs back then true. 100 200 seats the big club back then would be 300 seats yeah. now you have these 800 seat really basically theaters yeah that all over the place so if you can fill those theaters you can make 20 30 grand a weekend right yeah so there are more comics making more money now than ever okay but there's no middle class if yeah. you can't put butts in the seats, yeah, you're in a, you're just one of many worms in a bucket. You're just mm-hmm. one of a bunch of worms in a s- bucket, yeah. you know. And they pull you out and put you on a hook that weekend and lowball you. Like yeah. I, I understand the basic. If you can't draw, you're basically getting paid two hundred fifty dollars a set to headline a club. Mm-hmm. There's no middle class. Back yeah, in yeah, our day, there were sense. these guys who were virtually unknown mm-hmm. outside of the road. Ali Joe Prater, John Fox. These guys would make six figures. They didn't do any TV. Really? No. They were just guys who sold six a lot. Six figures back then. They yeah, were that's right. They would wow. run around the road. They would they would sell a lot of liquor. They would drink with the crowd. So uh-huh. the club owners loved it because, look, the club owners, we got packed audiences. Yeah. Who's selling the most liquor? Isn't that yeah. the next way you can make money, right? Yeah. So these guys sold liquor like crazy. So the club owners loved them, and they were and the crowds loved them. They were funny. It's just so crazy that comedy sometimes is basically you're like being paid to party with people. You're a liquor pimp. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I guess that's like you know that's what the the club wants. But do you feel like it's the same way now? Like I don't see, I don't feel like it's as like where I don't feel like comics are like partying with the crowd or like doing that quite as much. No. No. Like I said, there's there's more seriousness. You have so many more comics. You have to be really serious yeah. about your career at earlier stage in your comedy yeah like i didn't become serious about my career oh, yeah, until i was doing sense. it for like six seven years yeah i started going wait a minute i gotta i gotta really pay attention to what's going on here yeah 
But you didn't need to. I mean, it was like no, it was almost was better to be the way you were. Yeah. It was like, okay, yeah. you're running around. You're a wild guy on the road. They couldn't wait to get you to the next town. Clubs would be like, how fast can you get back here? Jeez. You know, I can't get back. You know, I got to have some new material. So uh -huh. it's going to be a few months before I come back with some new material. Yeah. But if you were hot, if you really killed the crowd, they wanted you mm -hmm. badly. And the other clubs would be like, and so you started getting more and more money each time. Yeah. Like I'd go out, like you're 1500 Next time you're getting two, then 25 and three. The the salaries just jumped fast. It's crazy. Back you then, made really good money during that time. We did make good, good money. For, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you saved it's it. Not a, no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were young. I think Why I explained my explained my lifestyle was pretty. You know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. That um, I, I, that's 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 crazy how different it is. Like, there were just guys really like John Fox. Uh huh. Like one time. He, he's one of those guys at the end of the week, and he'd take draws, right? They go uh -huh. to the club, and I need a couple hundred yeah. bucks. Mm -hmm. At the end of the week, he'd have no money left. We were, I was one time sitting in the Punchline Atlanta mm -hmm. in the office. We're partying after a show. The club owners, yeah. like Ron D'Annunzio and, and Dave uh, Brown, we were sitting. I think I got the name right. I could have messed it up. Yeah. And we were sitting in the partying, and mm -hmm. John Fox calls. So Dave puts him on speakerphone. Yeah. And you can hear John's in a bar. You can hear the bar behind you, right? And he goes, hey, Ronnie, Dave, it's John. They go, yeah, he goes, Listen, man, and he knew he was just in a club in Alabama. Go, How'd the club, yeah. how'd the week go? Said, it's great. It's fantastic, man. A great week. And, and, and they go, what are you calling? He says, well, I need some money. They go, weren't you just in a club in Alabama? Did you hear me? I said it was a great week. Okay. <laughs> I'm broke. I need money to get back to L.A. Give me an advance on the next Jesus. time I come there. So you weren't getting it. So all the drugs weren't free. Eventually Not all of us. No, yeah, no. Yeah. Because what happens is you, be, you become one to become the guy. Like John would. He would, I'd go in to work a comedy club after mm -hmm. he did, yeah. and all the waitresses would be on the verge of rehab. Yeah. They were all addicted. He yeah. was like, you know, he was going through them. I mean, he was using it to, to, uh, to attract the waitresses. Yeah, of course. So they were all partying with him. So at the end of the week, he spent all of his money on Coke to, to get the waitresses high. Yeah. What a crazy time. That's just, it's just, it's, yeah, it was. It's fascinating to me. Do you regret any of it? Mm -mm. Or you look back fondly on it. I look back fondly. I had a lot of fun. I, I would things. look back fondly if I, I were you. I got involved in things I didn't think I'd get involved in. I had no idea were possible. And yeah, uh, yeah it was a lot of fun. What's your What's your favorite story from that time? <laughs> I okay. Well, I like the Robin Williams one. That one I read in your book. Which one? You like which one is that? Um, well, I mean. The the one, the one in your book, the one the where you, the whole chapter on him, basically. Yeah, yeah. Robin was great. You know, when I met him, uh, I was MC at the Improv one night. It was like '79, later in '79. Mm -hmm. So he comes in to do a guest set, mm -hmm. and the whole place goes crazy. Yeah, you know, it's Robin Williams. This is like the height of yeah. the Mork and Mint, the whole thing. And he was so he went up and killed, like killed. My brother was there. My brother was uh, 19 year old. Uh, he was in his Coast Guard uniform. He was coming from from training camp up in New England, and he was going uh -huh. back to visit my parents in Jersey. So he stopped in to see me. So he's in the back of the room. He was, like, so excited. I looked over at him. That's cool. And he was like, oh, my God, it's Robin Williams. And Robin Williams And just, you were really new to comedy at that time. I wasn't, just yeah, I wasn't like, doing yeah. it that long, but yeah. I was the MC that night, and I brought yeah. him on stage, so. But, like, for your brother to see you perform yeah, with yeah, Robin see me Williams before, is a big exactly. deal. Yeah, see me Exactly. Just even the hand of a baton off to Robin Williams made yeah. me look like something in my brother's eyes. You're right. Yeah. You're right. So when Robin comes off stage, I mean, he destroyed. Yeah. Probably 40 minutes, whatever. I'm standing in the back of the room. Robin stands next to me. Mm -hmm. Now, he's not, we're not hanging out, really. But he goes, and now everything he did up there, they laughed at. I mean, everything. They really? laughed. And he came off, and he had this look on his face, and he just kind of goes, I don't know what's funny anymore. And I thought, wow, I didn't even think that was possible. They were laughing at so much, so everything was so easy for him. He was having a hard time telling what was funny anymore, really, truly funny. 
So he was struggling with the fact that like he wasn't sure if it was his fame that was making him exactly. suffer. Okay. Exactly. Or they they just sad. Because like, yeah, they're right. just like getting a, on your head now. Right. Yeah, it was that's a weird sad. thing, right? Yeah. It was a weird thing. And and, and so um so he kind of looks at me and I in that eighties kind of way, or the time was seventy nine, I go, You want yeah. a bump? I had Coke. I said, You yeah. want a bump? That was this, that was like a they it call was it your a party way to be thing. like, All right, yeah. you're okay. Yeah. yeah. So he goes, Yeah, so I Pass him a coke, and we start doing coke. And of course, he buys a bunch more from the guy who's there. Yeah. And we we hang out afterwards. We go out drinking and and drugging. Mm-hmm. And my brother's with us. Yeah. And my brother's is pimply faced, nineteen year old in a coast yeah. uniform. This was not when it was like, hey, let's have a hand for the troops kind of era. Yeah. This yeah. This was not cool. In oh, the uniform. Okay. It wasn't cool then. Oh, I 1979. see. Nineteen seventy nine. But my brother's hanging, and Robin was great too, nice to him. And we we're we go into a couple of bars, and of course, women see Robin; they're flocking to him. Yeah. Now my brother's sitting down next to me on the other side, and he's by himself. Mm-hmm. So we're all talking, and I'm talking to some woman, and everybody's talking to people, and eventually, this woman's sitting down there next comes down and sits down next to my brother. Yeah. And talking to him. So when we finally leave at four in the morning or whatever, we go out. We were walking. My brother's like really kind of happy you know yeah and i go wait a minute man i go to rob i said did you tell her to go talk to him and he kind of just winks at me oh i thought that was a really cool what thing a nice guy did, right wasn't that cool yeah thing what do? a nice guy so I, he probably I love told one of like those go on dinner and talk to that kid down the end will yeah you? what a nice guy that's cool yeah that's that very cool. that's very cool yeah, he must have struggled with that whole notion of like when fame gets too big and you just don't know why they like you after a while i would think it could throw you off you know because comics struggle to mm-hmm. keep the funny, like to calibrate it, you know, mm-hmm. you know this. To, to, like, is, is, is this funny? Is this really funny? Or is it just something that because I got him on a roll that night at work? Yeah, yeah. So you want to try it another mm-hmm. night to make sure it wasn't just in the mm-hmm. midst of a roll. Yeah. And so you always feel like, like you're like tricking that. people in a weird way sometimes. I always. Where you're just like, always. I, I was like, did I just pull something over on Absolutely. Like, that's the thought. Absolutely. Yeah. So Robin had to be dealing with that and the yeah. fame that he was at that time. He was so white hot. Uh, yeah, it would be something you'd have to really think about. Yeah, that's 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 crazy. Did you feel like that yourself when you got really big? Like just like I didn't get that big. I never well, got close. Well, I maybe never, not Robin Williams big, but no. like big enough that you. No, there, there, there was never a time that I didn't think that I'm, I'm, you know, doing this honest and it's it's. I, I never yeah. went on stage and went. They went. Oh, I had to prove it fast and yeah. keep proving it. There were roles. I got on roles, and there would be nights when the audience would just. They got me, and that was yeah. that, and then everything I did was funny, and it was just rolling, and stuff was coming out of my mouth. I went, well, that wasn't that funny, but I got a big laugh because I got him. Yeah. I got him. Yeah. But not, and I never walked on stage and thought, I got him. Yeah. Really? No. Like, oh, Nervous just the minute until, you walked on. No, the minute think, I walked yeah. on, I go, I got to get those first laughs. I got to prove it, yeah. prove it, prove it every night. I mean, I guess I've never walked on stage and thought I got him either, but never. Yeah, no yeah. way. I mean, yeah, yeah no way. I wonder if there's still people that think that way. I guess if they have huge fame, I'm sure that that would be. They might. They might. Yeah. But I think even the people who get those kind of introductions that need no introduction and people who walk on like that. Yeah. I think they still, because that, that was the whole thing with Michael Richards. You see Michael Richards. I used to watch him mm-hmm. go on stage around here. And because everybody knew him from Seinfeld. Yeah. He'd walk on stage. They'd go crazy. Yeah. So, But he still only had about a minute to prove whether he was funny or not. Yeah, that's true. And if he didn't do something funny, they'd start not paying attention. Mm-hmm. And he'd lose the audience and. So you still, you had to prove it. So Robin Williams was definitely doing a minute of funny right up top. It's not like he was not being funny mm. and not just pulling it off. It's he like, was yeah. fast. He was yeah. fast out of the gate. No, he didn't. Yeah. He didn't. But he was just in his own head. In his own head. Yeah, he was yeah. probably thinking everything. I mean, every move yeah. he made, every little thing he did, got a laugh. Yeah. It had to mess with his head a little bit. Was, he's got to be thinking, that wasn't like that funny. how am I that good? Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't that I just moved my hand like this. They yeah. Left. Well, that wasn't that funny. It was really great. <laughs> That's cool. 
Well, okay, what's your, I, I want to hear your career high and your career low. Career high and career low. Yeah. I'd say career high was getting back on a, um, all right, this is a weird one. Uh, maybe this this is it. It's a career high because it's a personal thing. Okay. But my dad was not into me doing stand-up comedy. Uh -huh. He didn't approve of it. I uh, quit law school to do it. He thought it was a crazy move. He didn't understand it. Didn't yeah. understand the business. Even though he's a fan of comedy, he certainly didn't see me as funny. I don't think mm -hmm. a lot of people see their kids as funny. My yeah. dad and I had a tough relationship. Mm -hmm. We had fist fights when I was young. And we, Yeah, it's rough. Yeah. And um, Hope you got one in on him. <laughs> no, he was tough. Really? Hell no. He was tough. He tossed me out of the house twice. Jeez. And um, we... we, we we never really got, even when I got sober at first, mm -hmm. it took us a little while. And he never said uh, that this was a great thing I was doing stand-up. Yeah. He always kind of gnawed at me a little bit. Like, I do Tonight Shows, and he never called me. Dude Letterman's never called me. Well, Letterman wasn't a show. Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Do you think Carson. secretly he was a little jealous of you, though? That no, you were able to do something I, I, and make I it, like, know. outside of I, just... I, I, I don't, maybe, I don't know, mm -hmm. you know. Um, somebody once said, if you want to be happy doing what you're doing, do what your parents love to do but aren't really great at. Okay. So maybe that was it with my yeah. dad. I don't know. So, yeah. But one time I was doing a Tonight Show, mm -hmm. Johnny Carson, and, you know, I was always one of those guys that if there was enough time, I'd do panel, but if there wasn't, I wouldn't. Okay. So I had to look over to the couch to see if there was enough time. Johnny gave me the signal there wasn't enough time. Yeah. So instead of turning and walking right through the curtain, I backed to the curtain like a gunfighter. I pulled my sport jacket back, you know. That's and cool. And I kind of like walked back and eyeballed the audience real cautiously, hunched over like, a, you know. That's a good move. And Johnny was laughing. Yeah. And Ed McMahon goes, what's he left? What's he doing? And Johnny goes, he's doing a gunfighter. It's great. <laughs> and Instead of getting like insecure, like, oh, man, I didn't get called up. And yeah. Walk off. Like you were just yeah, like, I did yeah. a little shtick, a little, little yeah. business coming I back like and that. up. Right. Yeah. And my dad called me the next day mm -hmm. and said, you made Johnny laugh. You're really good at this. Oh, that's so nice. So that was like a. Yeah. A probably career high. If yeah. You want to go career high. Um, career low. Uh, that's a good moment. It's always the best when your parents like, yeah, right. Or just people that like, or people that, uh, doubted you or finally just like, you know, you're doing it. Right. Yeah. Right. And then a career, um, low would be the time I, I blanked on my HBO special. I drew a blank. Was it, but it, they can edit it, right? Yeah. Well, see, I, it, it didn't matter. It, <laughs> I was it, like, I just started panicking. Cause it's not like, <laughs> <laughs> was it live? And then you blanked. <laughs> I knew we were doing two shows, okay. but still, it was something that never happened to me before. Mm -hmm. This was uh, 1989. We, mm -hmm. we were taping in um, Chicago mm -hmm. because the earthquake. We were supposed to do it in San Francisco. The earthquake hit, and we had to go to Chicago. Okay. So 1989, you got your first special. Okay. They were HBO special. Got it. So I knew that we had two shows. They are going to have two shows, two different audiences, but still. For the, the same set. For the so same just set. see which one was better. Got right. It. And they would cut. They could even, because you're wearing the same clothing. Like yeah. They, they clean your clothing in between because mm -hmm. I perspired a lot. Yeah. So they they knew, you knew that there was going to be a chance to do it again. Okay. It didn't matter. When I froze and completely blank, it never happened to me before in comedy. Mm -hmm. Never. So it was really like. It's just nerve-wracking. Nerve-wracking. And I said, I got to do something to shake this up. So um, um, I, I took a run. I, I ran. I took a long run. Mm -hmm. And sort of really kind of worked that out, kind of snapped myself in a between bit the two sets in between the two shows. Uh-huh. I took a long run and um, and the second show was great. Mm -hmm. They didn't have to use anything from the first show. They just used the whole second show. Yeah. But yeah. Do you feel like because I think I heard you talk about this on on Mark Barron's podcast where you said that's often sometimes when you can't think of a, 
uh, the the rest of a joke, you, you go for a run or something? Or was that after you got... No, it, no, I think no. the story was after you got sober, you were yeah, confused about like how to write oh, jokes. Well, there were, when I first got sober, I you know you hit a spot. I, I never hit this before, but uh -huh. in 85, when I got sober, I, I hit a spell when I couldn't come up with a joke. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you know, as a comic, you'd think, this is it. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. I finally ran out. <laughs> like, I'm, yeah. like, I'm done. And I, it was a little bit of a problem. Mm -hmm. and, I was, and, I was, and, and so uh, a friend of mine had said, um, because I used to be an athlete and so, such, of sorts, of yeah. kind of. And he said, why don't you go start running again? And I was smoking cigarettes. And mm -hmm. he said, I'll help you quit smoking. Because I wanted to quit. I was yeah. having a hard time. And so I'd run. And I'd have cigarettes in my socks, you know. <laughs> and I'd stop every once in a while and have a smoke and then run some more. But I finally got to running a little bit. And I came up with a joke. A joke landed. Like mm -hmm. a, you know how sometimes you get a joke that's like, I got part of a joke. I got to finish it. Mm -hmm. This joke landed intact mm -hmm. in one piece. Boom. And I, you mean while you were writing it? I was or running. You already tried it on I was stage? running. Oh, okay. Just running. It landed. Like uh -huh. I just thought of this joke. Okay. You know that you're, as a couple, I don't care how much you love each other, it could be those moments in any particular day. Uh -huh. Well, one minute you look at the other person, you think to yourself, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Mm -hmm. And your next thought could be, how can I fake my death? <laughs> I feel like I've heard that joke before. I've, that's your joke. That's yeah? my joke, yeah. I have heard that joke, 100%. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I must have saw you. Uh, yeah, it probably saw me, yeah. whatever. You know, and so I, 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 I ran home. I wrote <laughs> like it down. <laughs> yeah, right? I love the joke, right? You're in a relationship, you yeah, know. You yeah, know that's the yeah. deal, right? And uh, <laughs> and and I I went ran I couldn't wait to go to the improv that night and mm -hmm. do it. And it killed the first time and then I was like, "Okay." And then the joke started flying again. Yeah. They started coming in again. Did you you in your in your uh, book was it in your book or in your bio? I don't know. You took a lot of years off comedy. Right? Yeah, I From I, when to when and why? I started uh, writing for TV because uh, I had done uh, five TV pilots for me. I, I would five, be a star just based on you? Yeah, just I would star five? in these five. Yeah. There were f only That's four awesome. networks. I, mean, I did all four networks and one network twice. I did ABC twice. And it did not go. None of them Yeah, went. but that's really cool that they, that, that many th they things were, they betted on you. They were handing out oh, really? pilot deals like chicklets Whatever, back then. Whatever, I still then, think man. it's cool. Yeah, it was cool. Believe yeah. me, it was, it was, it was good, and, but it was... You know, at the end, uh, I didn't have one, and my I got dropped by William Morris. The mm -hmm. agency said, look, we don't know what else to do with you. You know, yeah. that didn't work, so we don't know what else to do with you. Good luck, and adios. And yeah. And uh, so I started writing for TV. I called up Roseanne mm -hmm. and started writing for TV. Cool. And I had, a, I had a daughter born, and mm -hmm. then another one, Sierra, coming. Some, yeah. Some, my Who first my daughter podcast producer knows, which is so right? crazy. Lo right? knows her, yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, they they went to like that crazy J camp out there in Malibu, uh -huh. probably. Yep. So, uh, Van, my first daughter, was already born, and, mm -hmm. and Sierra was second. And uh, I, I said, I got to get off the road. I can't just go out in the road and do these comedy clubs anymore. Yeah. So I started writing for TV, and the more I wrote for TV, the less stand up I was doing. Mm -hmm. And eventually, by like '97 or so, I really mm -hmm. wasn't doing any stand up anymore. Yeah. And so, when Jordan Brady and I talked about doing a documentary, it became I Am Comic. Mm -hmm. Back in uh, uh, 2009, okay. when he came to me, I'd not been doing stand-up for 12, 13 years. Oh, wow. How, yeah. did, how did he come to you for it then? I'd written, a, a not written, uh, Mark Schiff and I co-compiled a book called I Killed, which was all road stories. Yeah. So different comics did gave us road stories, uh -huh. and we put in, a, uh, each of us put in stories. And, and um, Jordan had read that book and loved it and said, I want to do some sort of documentary about stand-up comedy. Mm -hmm. And he came to me, and we started doing it, and then... 
I had not been in the comedy clubs at all for uh-huh. years. I had not watched comedy. I wouldn't even watch it at home on TV. You were just like... I had to get away were from it. Were you too busy or I, okay, nah, you just yeah, didn't want to be around it? Yeah, too busy and then I was too depressed or whatever it was about yeah. my career or whatever happened. I was just kind of unresolved with it. Mm-hmm. And um, Jordan saw me looking at the comics working with lust in my eyes. Mm-hmm. He said, well, why don't you give it a try again? How about you do it? How about you trying it again? And that sort of became the storyline of, really? of the documentary, me going back up there. On Mark's podcast, it sounded like it sounded like you that he decided to film you like in the moment that you s- was that is that is that not correct? Was what do you it mean? well? Okay, w- did he c- approach you before and say like I want to like have you be a part of this, or was it like you were somehow in a club and then he was like go on stage and no no we we were already doing it when you were already we were doing in the club. it together yeah, okay, we were doing okay. It. we were interviewing comics and okay. I was I so was you like up, you you yes, did it I with was him. part of it I was sort of like the writer. I see. Uh, uh, interviewer, I'd, mm-hmm. and he was directing it, and we'd interview comics about what it was like to do stand-up or what the yeah. you know what it felt like or those sort of things, that questions that I w- thought were interesting to ask comics. Yeah. You should have a podcast if you like doing that. Yeah. We could just like talk about comedy. I like doing podcasts. I don't know if I like to do a podcast. It's you know, mm-hmm. I, like, I like coming yeah, on like this like yeah, this, yeah, yeah. but the other end of saying, it looks yeah. like a lot of work. Yeah, it can be. Yeah. Yeah. So you just, okay, so then when did you start doing comedy again? And why did you uh, get back into it? I started when when Jordan... Um, Besides the aspect of the fact that it's like a drug that you just like got off of. I for, know, I know. But know, I started years. really doing it for like 2000. By the time it took me to get like really build up the muscle again mm-hmm. and come up with new material and everything, around 2012 I really started doing it again. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I've been doing it pretty steady ever since. Are you uh, just like uh, doing like road gigs or right? Where yeah, you I do very few comedy clubs anymore, mm-hmm. um, and I do a lot of cruise ships mm-hmm. and because you want to go where they're going to pay you. I, that's what it's I want. Very smart move. Yes, <laughs> I do need to get paid. I'm an idiot, and I just do places where they don't pay you very much. We just were in Charleston, right? What was that? Oh, I just went for fun. That was just for that. But I've done. I mean, I've, I've like done USO tours and stuff. Like, I mean, yeah. I tour a lot and do comedy. But yeah. yeah. But, like, I know I still get up around here all the time and just don't get paid. I mean, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever. It's fun. <laughs> Do you know what was crazy when I was listening to no, Mark you didn't ask me. Could you mention something here? I'm going to ask you something personal. Huh. I know this. Is your boyfriend a comedian? No. He's um on uh, uh the agent side. He's a Okay. He's so on the business side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. I'm just curious. Yeah. I think it's definitely you, better. You were like going to. Because I was curious about, like, two people in the industry. Yeah. Dating. That's what I. Because when you asked me a question, I thought. It just hit me. I go. Wait a minute. She was asking me that question. I wonder if she was wondering because she's in a relationship with a comic. Yeah. No, 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 no. Right. Yeah. I've, I've always just thought that was probably. But then again, like for the most part, when I've been doing comedy, I've always had a boyfriend like outside of it. Mm-hmm. But I always think about that because I have female comic friends and male comic friends and a lot of them have dated each other, hooked up or whatever. And I'm like, sometimes when I see it, I'm just like super grateful that I never have been in a position where I could have even dated a comic because it just seems like I never want to walk into the bar at the improv or the comedy store and be like, oh, shit, I suck <laughs> that person. Like, for me, it's like they're just all my friends. You're <laughs> right. That's your headphones. It goes right into your, the side of that one. Top one. It's okay. I have an editor, too. Yeah, I just feel like uh, he lost his headphones because I was hilarious. <laughs> no, but like... Guy, it, it, it is kind of different, but I don't think it is different. Yeah, you, there's there's times when where you, you wish you in. wouldn't have like yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah we're yeah. just like ah oh, now I gotta be awkward. Do I say hi or do yeah, I not? Like yeah. it's something, yeah. But yeah, that is kind of why I asked because I was like, what would that be like? 
you can you can make it as casual as you want. Yeah. But it matters. Yeah. It, yeah. It has to. Yeah. Because then people are going to talk about you. It's different. Yeah. It's so true. It it has to be weird. I prefer to like date someone that at least understands the industry, but is not like fully in it. You know. I always thought. I mean. And it's not super controlling. It's not like jealous when I go on the road. That yeah. would suck. Yeah. Yeah. People go like, well, you know, we can be friends after anyway. You know, just like yeah. a, a little casual fling, be friends. Friends who had your genitals in each other's yeah. face <laughs> is a different. It's a different type different of friendship. Different type of friendship, yeah. exactly. It's a loose friendship. <laughs> it's, it's, there's a, you have a different view of the other person. Yeah. You really do. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy about that. Yeah. Do you know what was crazy when I was listening to Mark Maron's podcast though, and it made me feel like slightly connected to your generation. And I hope this is the same person. I'm not going to get this wrong, but you said in 1985 when you were. Uh, like this is around when you got sober. Mm-hmm. You were sitting at the bar at the improv with Eddie the bartender and he is it the same Eddie that's that the we, same Eddie. Which that's so crazy because I sit there all the time and just talk with Eddie. So when I listened to that I was like, Oh, I feel like a cool connection with that. Like You that know world. Eddie has seen it all. Of course and he has. He has seen and heard it all. I mean, you imagine he's the stuff nice he's guy. heard people say to each other on the yeah. other side of that bar. It's so Especially crazy. He's drunk and coked up. Oh, absolutely. Everything. You know, just the lines he heard people pulling each other. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, was he sober a, at the time that he was doing that? I don't know if Eddie's ever been had a drinking problem. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, don't, ever, I don't. I don't know anything Eddie's about him in a, that way. Yeah. He's always look. He, he seems straight laced. He seems straight laced, but he also helped me. I mean, he sent. A, I was I was sitting in there, couldn't quit drinking night after night, sitting yeah. there ordering drinks from Eddie, telling him I got to quit drinking. Yeah. And he sent a guy down who he knew Aww. had quit drinking and was going to a certain group of people that help quit drinking mm-hmm. and he sent this guy to me to help me get sober that's so, so nice eddie's a great guy yeah i was really thrilled when i heard that yeah. i was like there's a connection <laughs> with like uh from my generation to yours a, i just saw him the other eddie's night sober. i was just over there really and he's there so i know he's there yeah oh yeah yeah he's, he's yeah. there like every night he's yeah there. so yeah. you're still hanging out at the improv a little no bit. i just came over to the, i did um, um a podcast over there the other yeah night. whose podcast um Oh man, you know I'm terrible. I just met the it's guys. Okay. It's okay. Right. Three three guys. There were three guys upstairs in the podcast room. One guy's uh-huh. got three names. He was okay. kind of a big guy. They uh-huh. were really great. Yeah. Like one little, real little skinny guy. Uh-huh. And two big guys. That's all I can remember right now. Okay. I don't know. I I, I didn't realize until very recently that the a guy had three names. He had three names. Okay. Yeah, but but anyway, they sure. were, they were really good. It was really fun. That's so cool. Yeah. You got to hang out there more. <laughs> or just do more shows there. <laughs> So then I can be like, guys, I know Rich Scheidner. Why is it so hard to say? It is hard. I made it hard on everybody. I'm going to brag when you come in there and I know you and no one else knows you. All the young comics. He's my friend. Uh, We are now. That's good. (laughs) So what's next for you besides the book? What do you do? Well, the book. So what's happening with that? You're going to go promote it? And yeah, promoting it. I'm going to, I'm going to do I'm, I want to do a show of just showbiz stories from mm-hmm. the book of different funny stories. I want to just really do cool. funny stories. And uh, people and will love that. I'm writing a, um, a screenplay about the first stand up comic ever. Who? Uh. Don't, don't tell anyone. Uh. That's cool. You're a great yeah. writer. I feel like I mean, I know that you've made a career on writing as well. But there was something when I was reading your book where I was just like, I haven't read a book that that hooked me like this in a long time wow yeah wow that's yeah. so sweet thank yeah, you it's really good thank well you. thank you so much for being thank here you, Rachel. i like thank really you. appreciate it and i hope to you're work great. with you at some you're point you're great thank you you're great <laughs> it's not just your smiley funny face <laughs> your shiny face you're just really nice person thank, thank you. you all right thanks for being here